you go to Mark chapter 2. It's working. Mark chapter 2. You know, we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, actually, I have a lot to say, so I don't know if that's the same thing or not, but we'll find out. Uh, we've been doing a series on grace. Tonight we're going to look at the grace that's found in community, in a truly uh, grace-filled, a gracious, a graceful, however you want to call it, community. And here's something that you can can always count on. Um, Anytime anybody talks about community, um, there's something that needs to come to mind. And it is this truth, that community... Um, community is vertical first, and then it's horizontal. First it's vertical, us to God, individually to God, corporately to God, and then it is horizontal. Typically when we talk about community, we think about our relationships with one another, and we think about you know you to me and community groups and a church family and your um, immediate family and your marriage and all this kind of stuff. And you think about those relationships And even in those relationships, the beginning point is always going to be vertical. So, yeah, that's point number one, I guess. And that's always going to be the case. And whether whether I'm talking about it or whether you hear somebody else talk about it, we need to get to the point where we really really get that and embrace that and, and understand that it begins always with our relationship with God, that everything does. So even as times we talk about community and us relating to one another, that's always going to begin with our relationship with him. You don't have to turn to it, but let me read and we'll put it up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, uh, 19, uh, talking about Jesus here. It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All right? All things reconciled to him by the cross. Everything in heaven and on earth, everything has been reconciled and made right again and made peaceful again through Jesus. So that means that your life first was reconciled and made right in your relationship with God, vertical. And so every one of us who are Christians, individually that is, has, has happened. And then also reconciled to him would be our friendships and our relationships and our marriages, and all the things that, that used to also separate us from one another have now been reconciled. You go back to the beginnings, and we see um, because of sin in the Garden of Eden, we were separated from God, but there's also these divisions between us as people. You see Adam and Eve, they go from being, um, having you know, no clothing and everything being okay, to all of a sudden they find the need to put clothes on. They went from having nothing to hide to having everything to hide from one another, literally, and then in the like, more important, deep things as well. 
So everything being reconciled, not only can now you approach the throne of grace confidently, but we can also approach one another confidently because we've been reconciled to each other. So I have nothing to hide from you. I have no reason to lie to you. I have no reason to uh, distract you from my weaknesses. I have no need to, to keep it from you when I'm struggling. I have no reason to say, yeah, today was really hard. I have no reason to come up on a Sunday and say, hey, I'm not going to preach for the next couple weeks because I'm just not really where I need to be. I have no, I have, there's no reason for me to, to hide that and to keep that because, not, because I have been reconciled to God and you have been reconciled to God. We have all been reconciled to God and to one another. So there's peace between me and him and there's peace between you and I. And you probably say, okay, yeah, that sounds really great. You know, that sounds fine and that's, Sounds really good on paper, and I believe that that verse means that. But on Tuesday night, when we go to community group, and all the guys come together, and all the girls come together, and next thing you know, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I don't know that I'm going to necessarily feel that I have nothing to hide. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to walk in that freedom and in that reconciliation that God has brought between all of us. And that's one of the hard parts about community. And, and this is, I may be like reaching a little bit, which I'm known to do often. This is, this is what I, I think that we have to, um, to envision, okay? All of us walked in darkness. With our relationships with one another um, being things where we had to hide and we were worried about people talking about us and being betrayed and... Um, in this like competitive, self-centered, just whatever world. And when you walk in that for so long, and then you're being fed these lies by the enemy and by the world, and there's all these things are coming at you saying that all your worth is based on your job or how much money you make or what you look like or how many friends you have and all, all this kind of stuff. So we have this, this internal, um, these internal divisions among one another and then we have all these lies that, we're, that we get so hooked on. It's like, being, it's like being on a drug. And so that's how you live for so long. You hide stuff from people. You don't trust anybody. You're just looking out for yourself. And you're constantly just addicted to these lies that are coming in. That just becomes the life that you live. And so now, now that Christ has freed us from all that stuff, and now that... The, there's been peace in reality made between us, so we have all been reconciled to each other. And now we have the liar telling us stuff, but we have the truth giver telling us stuff. It, it, now that we live in this, in this new life, it's, it's really almost like we're all in rehab. It's like we're, we're learning how to live this new life without being addicted to the lies and without all this, this weirdness in relationship, we're trying to learn how to live peacefully among each other where we don't have things to hide. We're trying to learn how to live in a gracious community. Meanwhile, we still have the pusher pushing all these lies on us. And we have all this leftover emotion and tension. And so all of us really, it's, it's like we're in like Dr. Drew's celebrity rehab. Which I think is one of like the most phenomenal things that television has ever done. Um, television has a bunch of stupid stuff on it. And then, it, and then it has some really great stuff, like Lost. And then it has stuff that has real, like, meaning to it, like when they show that, and, the, and those shows like Intervention, 
you know, and, and some of those things where it's like, you, you, you think, think drugs are something to dabble in? We're going to show you someone who's, whose life is completely destroyed by it. I think those things are good. I think it's good for us to see that. I also think it's good to see that there is a way out. And so really, church, community groups, all these things, it really is like we're in a group counseling session all the time. And you look around, and just like in any like, rehab setting, there are, there are probably people who are further along in the rehab process than others. And sometimes it just means you've been walking with Jesus longer, and so you've, you've learned how to more and more listen to the truth pusher than the lie pusher. And you've learned how to walk in grace and let those walls down and trust people and love people and give and receive love and all that stuff. You just learn how to do that, and you've learned that, that really, there really is nothing to hide. But it's not that you're perfect. It's just that you've maybe been in rehab a little bit longer. Or maybe... Maybe there are just some among us who just know how to do work. That when, when the word says um, to pray without ceasing, maybe some of us in rehab actually do that. Say, so I'm going to pray without ceasing. When, the, when, when you see the value of scripture and you're in the word, maybe, maybe that's one reason why some people seem to, to maybe work through the rehab process faster because they, some people just get it done. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean that they're better. Sometimes that discipline really does pay off. And when I think about rehab, I think about different situations. One, one I think about Dr. Drew. And, and you have all these, these addicts, you know, and especially in the first one, then they, were all like, they were all like rock stars and stuff. And, and some of them it was alcohol, and some of them it was cocaine, and some of them it was heroin and different things. Um, so we're all kind of we're all fighting the same big picture stuff. It just kind of shows up maybe a little bit differently based on our life experiences. And then I think about, in another sense, um, uh, I'm a big fan of rent. Not paying rent, but like the musical rent. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, and I think that one of the most powerful scenes in rent, there's, there's an AIDS support group. And um, basically they, just, they, they meet, how, I didn't really say, I don't think how frequently they meet. It's all these people who, they're all going through the same thing. Whenever one of them says, he says, you know, I went to the doctor and this is the report I got. And the other people in the group, they can totally relate. Maybe some of them have been there and they're like, yeah, I, I got that report too. Maybe some of them aren't there yet and they're able to see like, uh, uh, they're able to see maybe ahead of time how it's going to be hard whenever that happens. And of course, like any good musical, at some point they all start singing and, um, they start singing this song, and it's, and it's really, there's more to it than just, you know, Frere Jacques, you know, to sing around or whatever, because that's what it ends up being, is the first one starts, and the next one comes in. They all end up singing the same thing, and it's all pretty and stuff. But the, the first, the song, it's, you know, he, he says, will I lose my dignity? Will someone care? Will I wake tomorrow from this nightmare? The first guy starts singing it, and somebody else comes in, somebody else, and next thing you know, everybody's singing it, but you get this sense that they all, they all feel the same things. They all have the same questions. They're all afraid of the same stuff. That's us, isn't it? That should be us in our community groups. That should be us when we're just hanging out as friends. That we're all in the same boat. 
that we're trying to learn how to live this new life where we trust each other and we love each other and we give and receive love and grace and mercy and, and we, we don't expect people to sell us out and to let us down. We're trying to learn how to say no to the lies and yes to the truth. And the other thing I was, other setting I was thinking about is like a physical therapy situation. Um, years ago, my, my grandfather, before he passed away, he had a stroke. And um, so I went to see him in, in rehab and so I was like, what'd you do today? And uh, and you really couldn't understand a lot of what he was saying, but basically he said, uh, he said, I moved beans. So, okay. And it, at this point, you just really, you, you just never knew. And um, I said, okay, what does that mean? And he was literally, he literally moved beans. He said, see that bowl of beans? Yeah. So she comes over here and she dumps them out. And she makes me pick them up one at a time, put them in the bowl. Because he, he didn't have use of his hand. And so... Uh, I said, oh, I said, what happens when you, what do you do? You get rewarded or, you know, something? I said, no, she comes over and dumps them out. <laughs> awesome. But I think that there are times when, when it, it is like a physical therapy situation where there's just some things that you just really just, you don't know how to do, and you have people that you're surrounded with who, who know how to get that fixed in you and they're there every day and someday it's dumping out the bowl of beans and making you do something again in a sense and you have those people who are going to show up every day every day every day and if you have a really horrible day it, it's going to be okay because they're not going anywhere and if you have a really great day it's okay that's a good thing we're going to celebrate that with you because my grandfather every day his physical therapist was going to be there and she would encourage him, and she would push him, and he didn't like her sometimes, and he did like her other times. See, all of us, we're, we're all, in a sense, in, in rehab together. And so we have to learn how to, how to see that in one another. That's a big part of, of a gracious community, is recognizing that every one of us, that God looked at, at, at our lives and said, I like you, and I'm going to do things that you can't do in your own life. Not because you earned it or because you deserve it or because that way we're going to owe him anything or because it's of no benefits. This completely free gift that God looks and he says, I'm going to save you and then I'm going to rehab your life. Every single day I'm going to walk with you and there are things in your life that you just can't do that I'm going to do for you. Simply because I love you. Every single one of us has that same thing going on. We're all in the same boat. You may look around and, and think that this person's better than you, but at least you're better than this person, all that stuff. And that's all a bunch of bull. Because we're all sitting in the same circle. We all have the same issues going on. And we're all going to struggle and fight together. That's what, that's what the church does. That's what we're here to do. That's why we have community groups. It's not because we're sort of Baptists and we kind of have to have a Sunday school-ish something, so we just do these groups because whatever. No, there's a purpose behind it. We want everybody to be in one. And that's why. You, anybody who was a recovering addict, you would want them in some sort of counseling environment. One-on-one, -on -one, in groups. Sometimes you need to go away and be somewhere for three months or six months until everything gets cleaned up. Then you come back and you learn how to live without all that stuff. 
whatever the case is, if that, if that were someone battling substance abuse, you would want them to get help. Church is help for us. We've been reconciled to God first, and we've been reconciled to each other second. And the challenge now is to get to where we look around the room and we see people in our boat. I ask you to turn to Mark chapter 2. There's a story that um, maybe you're familiar with it. It's also, uh, you can find it in Matthew, you can also find it in Luke. For some reason, I, I just don't give a lot of love to Mark, so... So we're going to go with Mark's version. I want Mark to get mad at me when I get to heaven. You never used my book, man. Mark chapter 2. I'm sorry. Look at verse 1. I told you I have a lot to say. Verse 1. It says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. All right, now he is Jesus. And sometimes you hear people say, Jesus was homeless. And I would say, yes, he was. And I would say, but no, he wasn't. He was, yes, he was homeless, but no, he wasn't. Jesus has a hometown. And um, back in March, I got to go to Capernaum. And just like if you go to Tennessee and it's like home of Al Gore, um, you see the big sign when you enter the state. When you go to Capernaum, it says, welcome to Capernaum, home of Jesus. <laughs> I have a picture. I meant to bring it. And uh, it's, this, just, it's just um, this amazing like fishing village, it's right on the Sea of Galilee. It's just beautiful. Um, when you walk in, those of you who have been to, to uh, La Madrid in Mexico, when you drive in, you know there's that there's this house that has this like bougainvillea vine flower thing. It's like out of control, just ridiculously huge and beautiful. This has one of those in, in Capernaum. It was is incredible. And um, so this was the town that Jesus called home. So he grew up in Nazareth. And then, but his ministry home base was, was in Capernaum. And I don't know if he had a house, if he had like a, a room, or if it was just the, the place where he felt at home. It doesn't really, we don't know a lot of detail other than the fact that um, this was home for him, this town. Um, and at, at one point, you can go to the synagogue there, and the synagogue has been, you know, destroyed and rebuilt and all this kind of stuff. But the, they have these big foundation stones in the middle. And they told us, they said, everything here is, they gave us all these dates. They said, but these foundation stones are original. And so you're like standing in the synagogue in Jesus' hometown on the original stones. You know, so you have this moment of, should I take my shoes off? You know, like these are like definitely not normal rocks. And then you just kind of just want to lay down on them, you know, and you're like, Jesus absolutely stood here at some point. Like it's just, it's just the most amazing thing. And so, so Jesus gets back home. So this story happens in his hometown, um, which is kind of like a, a cool little setting. Look at verse 2. It says, and Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God, but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Great story. Paralytic man on a mat, on a bed, can't get to Jesus, so his friends get up on the roof, rip, the, rip a hole in the roof, and lower him down on the ropes. What can we learn about a gracious, a graceful, a grace-filled community? First thing, and the most important thing is this, is that like, Jesus is the answer. That in the community that you and I live in, Jesus is always the answer. Not in a default way. Not when you don't know what else to say or anything like that. But what, whatever, wherever you are in life, whatever you, it is that you're facing, Jesus is the answer to that. So, the objective in a grace-filled community is to get to Jesus. That's what, that's what we do. When we come together on Sunday nights, the bottom line is that we want to get to Jesus. I believe he's glorified by our desire to get there. So yes, our big, big giant picture is always going to be the glory of God. We come together, our, the glory of God shows up in us trying to get to him. Through the songs, through the scriptures, through the prayers, through interaction with each other. We just want to get there. Now, ideally, every single one of us would just, like, we would do that on our own. We, we would handle our business, and we would get to Jesus. You'd say, God has given me everything I need for life and godliness through my knowledge of him who's called me to his own glory and goodness. So I have his spirit in me. There's nothing that I lack. I have the scriptures. I have the, uh, this complete connection to where I can just, I can communicate to God. I can convey to him everything I want, which is prayer. And he can speak back to me if he wants to, which is revelation. And everything I need to get to him, I have. So I'm going to do that. That's the ideal thing. You just handle your business. You take care of yourself. And you involve your community appropriately. You share with your community group. Hey, this is kind of what's going on with me. So in a time when there's prayer requests or um, when, when we write the material, we try and, and always have questions throughout the material that allow you to share your experiences or your questions or where you are. And I don't know in the different groups if that actually happens, you know. But that would be the ideal, is that whether it's, hey, are there any prayer requests, or whether it's a question that's in there, you, knowing that you have nothing to fear, knowing that you have been reconciled to each other, and because of, of grace and love and mercy and, and all because of Jesus, I can tell you, hey, I'm really struggling right now. Or, hey, I'm walking in victory and truth in ways that I never have. And then every, everything in between. You involve your community appropriately. You're, when you're hanging out with your friends and you actually talk about real things in life. Crazy, isn't it? And you, you, like, I mean, I'm not saying you always have to have deep theological discussions, but if they're really your friends, you should be able to talk about Christ with each other. So you involve your community appropriately. You let them know where you are, what, what you need. You ask for accountability or you just ask for prayer or... Um, you asked, has anybody ever been up against this? Has anybody ever doubted their salvation in the room? Because I'm there, and I kind of need to know where to go from here. You involve them appropriately, but first, it's vertical. 
First, it's Jesus. And second, it's horizontal. That would, that would be ideal. As you handle your business and you get to Jesus, and then in whatever ways appropriate are appropriate or whatever ways you feel led, you involve your community around you. Accountability, prayer, seeking wisdom of others, all those kinds of things. Now, I have four points underneath this point. I know, I'm real organized, right? That would be ideal. Here's point number one. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes this really happens. People really handle their business, and they really involve their community appropriately. And you know what happens when that happens? Awesomeness happens. The body of Christ is just really functioning the way it's supposed to. It's beautiful. That, those are the moments, and those are the, the, the things that surround those times when you get a glimpse of, of that beautiful, spotless bride That's, that's when that happens. So sometimes we do it. It's awesome. Second point, sometimes we don't. Now, if, if you may permit me, I, I need to tread carefully here, but I want to, um, let, me, let me pastor us. And forgive me if I don't use inclusive language in this. I try to all, like, because I... I definitely don't give a rip that I'm the pastor of the church. Um, like, I love being the pastor of the church, but I don't ever want to be like, y'all need to do this, and y'all need to do this, and y'all need to do this, because this guy is the problem from my point of view. So I, I, I try to always communicate very inclusively, because I believe that we're all in the same boat. I believe that I'm in rehab with you, and uh, all that. But if I... If I am not inclusive in what I'm about to say, I pray that you just show me some grace. All right? Sometimes we don't handle our business. And we either talk to no one or we talk to someone that's not Jesus. All right? Sometimes we all keep things bottled up and we don't tell a soul. And even though... We have Jesus telling us truth, and we're learning how to say no to lies, and we've moved into this place where we've all been reconciled, and we have nothing to hide, and we have every reason to be honest and to share and to love. We don't tell a soul about some of the things that we're going through. And that hurts the body. That is when things begin to get bottled up. And you know how it is. Once you, once you aren't sharing, once you're hurting and you're not sharing with anybody, and you're not going to Jesus, and you're not involving your community appropriately as steps one and two, and you're keeping everything inside, you're going to explode at some point. And sometimes you explode and you're like, I hate the ring, and Josh is a moron, and all the elders suck, and my community group leaders don't, don't care about me, and I'm never going back. And I'm going to blog about it. That's my Facebook status. Whatever. And sometimes it's, they don't care about me. I know some people who do care about me. And you end up in very destructive relationships. And sometimes you run to a substance. Sometimes you run to sexual relationships. Sometimes you run to wherever. 
um, because you don't go to Jesus first, and you don't go to your community second, and you talk to no one. And sometimes it goes way on the end where you're sitting there wondering, do I want to live anymore or not? That's why we need to understand gracious community. That's why we need to understand that we're all in rehab together. That's why we need a better understanding of the cross. That's why we're going to talk about identity until Jesus comes back. That's why, um, that's why God has us um, circling these same truths over and over and over. And I hope that as he does, they go deeper and deeper and deeper. So sometimes we don't and we don't talk to anybody. But here's, here's more of where I think we are as a church. Sometimes we talk to another person and we don't talk to Jesus. Have you, have you ever heard this or said this? I need to talk to Megan Kelly. I just need to talk to Megan. To be honest with you, no, you don't. Most of the time, no, you don't. Because most of the time, you've not talked to Jesus at all. I just need to talk to Taylor. I just need to talk to Matt Iglesias. I just need to talk to my community group leaders. I just need to talk to my, my husband. I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to my whatever. Not if you haven't talked to Jesus. Because when you do that, you, you, know who, you know who benefits from that? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. The staff and the elders and your community group leaders and your spouses and all your friends, every, we're all in this together and we're all there to support one another, but nobody is benefited when Jesus is left out of the picture or when he's seventh on the depth chart of people that you're going to talk to. Nobody. You want to wear out your staff? You bring them stuff you haven't talked to Jesus about. There's ministers all over this country who are now doing other things. And I think that's a big part of it. Because Jesus is the answer. Not Megan, not Taylor, not Matt, not me, and not anybody that you could name. Jesus is going to be the answer. You want to know why people always want to talk to Megan? Because Megan points people to Jesus. So why don't you just cut out the middle woman? <laughs> right? Cut out Taylor. Cut out Matt. Cut out your group leaders. I don't mean to just pick on them, but those are the, those are the things I hear constantly. And I'll be honest, I watch the toll that it takes. sat down with a college student this week. He said, I've been praying about this. I've been talking to Jesus about this. I kind of wonder this and this and this. Most freeing thing ever. When we sit down with one another, can, can you imagine the difference that it would make? If when we sit down with someone or when you take someone to your community group, when it gets to where you involve your community appropriately, if you have already talked to Jesus about those things, can you imagine the difference that it would make? 
It'd be incredible. Because that means that every conversation we have is ordained by Christ. You talk to Jesus and you say, this is where I am, and I don't really know what to do. And, I, and there will be times when Jesus just lays it on you, and it's just you and him. And there are going to be times when he says, okay, go talk to Megan. Talk to Josh. Talk to Taylor. Talk to Matt. Talk to whatever. Sometimes he's going to tell you to talk to the most random person ever. I've had that happen before. I've had people who I don't even know that well, like Facebook me and say, hey, can we, can we sit down and talk? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I thought you hated me. And every one of those times, it's a God-ordained conversation and Jesus just shows up in it. It's Jesus first, community second. Always, always, always. So sometimes we do it correctly, and sometimes we don't. The third point is sometimes we just can't. All right? Now, back to the story. You got this guy who like literally cannot get to Jesus on his own. And I think sometimes we, that really is where, where we are. And these are pretty extreme cases, to be honest. But there are times when you're so full of doubt, you're so full of hurt, you're so full, you've been so immersed in sin. Uh, there are just all these things where like you, you literally have no idea what to do. And you don't even have the faith to pray or to trust God about anything. You don't even know if there is a God. Um, you're going through tragedy. You're, going, you're just going through those times when like, you are literally like, the, like you're paralyzed on the mat. And that's where, that's where this community comes in. Because in this story, we don't, we don't really know how, how it went down. And either, either this guy said, hey, I need your help. Or his friends were like, hey, this dude needs our help. And regardless, if you're the guy on the mat or if you're one of the guys helping them, we act and we pray on each other's behalf. When you don't have the faith, we're going to have the faith for you. Our membership at the ring, um, we are in covenant together. It means we don't just sign a card and check a box and say you're now a member of the church. We go through a class, we send you through a devotional, you meet with an elder, and then when you enter into this agreement together, this verbal contract, and you say, we read it together, and that's how we renew it. And we say, this is how we're going to live together. And a part of the spirit of that covenant is basically saying, whether you're the guy on the mat or you're one of the guys around them, we're going to get you to Jesus. And if you don't have the faith, we're going to pray and we're going to act on your behalf. Because Jesus is the answer. That's beautiful. Well, sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't, sometimes we can't. The last one is sometimes we just need a little help. Now, this is not true to the text, obviously. Sometimes you're sitting on a mat, you'll be like, I need to get Jesus, but I don't know how. The people around you will be like, yeah, yeah, you can. You just need a little help. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where those people who have been, maybe been in rehab a little bit longer than you are able to speak into your life. That's where, where people who maybe have, have experienced similar things can kind of help walk you walk through stuff. 
When you're like, look, I want to I get into the scriptures more, but I don't know where to start. Hey, I, I want to pray more, but I have no idea what that even means. Um, hey, I'm, I'm really like, walking through doubt, and I can't really sense the presence of God. I've never been in this position before. I don't really know what to do. When you talk to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, you need to sit down with this person or these people or whatever. What they're going to do in this community is if you're, if you're on the mat but you're not really paralyzed, they're going to help you get to Jesus on your own two feet. That's what discipleship is. So we teach each other. We become like physical therapists. And say, you can move those beans in that bowl. You just got to suck it up and do it. You got to be patient. You want to learn how to pray? All right, let's, let's start here. You want to learn how to study the word? Okay, let's start here. Wrestling with doubt? All right, let's talk about this. Have you thought about this? What about this? You know what the first question is going to be? What does Jesus say about it? Well, I didn't ask him yet. All right, well, first step, talk to Jesus. Don't talk to me until you talk to him. That's courageous discipleship. So the goal is to get to Jesus because he's the answer. Whatever it takes, I mean, that's why God has put us all together to do that. So what keeps us from that? So a few quick thoughts. Actually, one big thought with some sub-thoughts. You know what, you know what kills this being a reality? What kills this... Um, Let's cut a hole in the roof, do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. Stuff. You know what kills that? Your love for yourself. My love for myself. Air conditioner just went off. Will somebody go turn that on? I know that's probably breaking concentration, but it's about to be a sweat fest. We don't want that. Love for self is always going to destroy that grace within that community. When you love yourself, you're saying no to the truth that God is, is feeding you. You're saying no to the, to the truth of the fact you've been reconciled to each other and you're taking those lies from your pusher and you're going back to the, that, those fractured, lie-filled, everybody's out to get you stuff. Going back to all of that. It shows up in jealousy. It shows up in being competitive. It shows up in comparing yourself to everybody else. Um, it shows up in... Uh, the best way I wrote this down, the best way I could describe it is being like Michael Scott from The Office. You know how Michael, like everything is about Michael? Everything. Like there's this one episode and, and like Kevin has this like spot on his neck or something. He's getting examined to see if it's cancerous or, or not. And he's get, waiting for the test results all day. And what does Michael do the whole episode? It's, he finds a way to make it somehow about him. Phyllis's wedding. I mean, everything is always coming back to him, always coming back to him. And that's not just a funny character. That's, a, that's humanity. When you make everything about you somehow. You ever known people that when someone else is struggling, they somehow find a way to make someone else's struggle about them? Or about, oh, I've been through that. And it was, mine was way worse than yours. And this and this and this and whatever. It's like, oh my gosh. You just watch the grace just get vacuumed, vacuumed right out of the room. If you want to live in a gracious community, it's going to require self-sacrifice. It's going to require your time. It's going to require that you listen and that you act. And we have to start by 
by realizing that if we're, if we're all in rehab together and we're looking around the room, we have to have a genuine love for one another and a genuine desire to see everybody in that whole room flourish. And regardless of what kind of day I've had, I want you to have the best day you've ever had. And as long as I love myself more than I love you, that's not going to happen. Get each other to Jesus. That's it. That's, that's the goal. Now, we don't have to live in the second or the third or the fourth area of those points. So sometimes we don't. Okay, well, you can. Sometimes you can't. Well, people will carry you. Sometimes you can't. We don't think you can. He's given us everything we need to live in that first point, which is sometimes you just do it. Sometimes you just you, you go for it. You get there. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me close with this. In Hebrews 4, um, it's one of the most encouraging scriptures in, the, in all of the Bible, in my opinion, or at least to me. I'm talking about Jesus, Hebrews 4.14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Think, and just, just for a second, think about that. There's nothing that you experience, that you go through, that Jesus has not already been through it and made it through without sinning. Nothing, nothing we can experience according to this verse. And the, the new uh, Stephen Curse Chapman album, which is phenomenal, um, and my brother might have played on it, but whatever. Uh, you know, he's writing all these songs, and his family went through this amazing tragedy. It's just unbelievable. And so a lot of these are just his songs of lament. And there's this one line in it, and he says, uh, somehow how Jesus will meet you where you are. He says, because Jesus has already been where you're going. He's already been where you're going. Whatever it is that you're facing... He's already been where you're going to land. I mean, wow. And then look at verse 16. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We may receive mercy and find grace. Unmerited favor. that you find a God who is willing to do for you and in you what you cannot do for yourself in your time of need. So tonight, you, might, you may be facing something right now and you felt really weird because you thought, I gotta talk to Megan Kelly tonight. And then I called you out. I gotta talk to Taylor. You really just need to talk to Jesus. And if you can't, and you really are the paralytic on the mat, you're like, I have no faith, I don't know if God exists, then there will, you need to tell people, I need your help, because I don't have the faith for this. And the faith for you will surround you. And if you need to know where to start, 
Talk to Jesus. See what he has to say. For every one of us tonight, it's getting to him. And you know what's cool is that we don't have far to go. You may feel like you have far to go, but he's right there. Let's pray again. Father, um, forgive Cody. Father, uh, we thank you for your grace. And, um, you know, we tend to focus on things that really aren't important. God, verse 16 that we just read says to approach your throne with confidence. We can't approach your throne unless we really are forgiven. So since you tell us to draw near, we must really be who you say we are. We must really be reconciled. We must really be redeemed. We really must be forgiven. Would you tell us to come to you confidently? Some of us tonight, we need to receive mercy. Like We literally need to experience you telling us it's going to be okay. Some of us need to find grace. We need to find you there, willing to act in our lives, to do things we can't do simply out of your love. Help us, Father, tonight to not look to other people to not look to um, God, to not look to anything other than you. We know that you are the answer. We know that you've already been where we're going. Your desire is to, to walk us there. And we thank you for the grace that we can experience in this community. And all it really is, is us treating one another the way that you treat us. The more we understand about your grace for us, the more we can pass that on to each other. God, help us in these moments to sense your presence. Help us to draw near to your throne. And you just, hand, just handle the rest.
Savior leads me And who have I to